Hi, I'm Stuart McLeod, CEO and co-founder of Carbon. Welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast, the show where I go behind the scenes with the world's top accounting leaders. Dan Luthy, welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast. Tell me all about IgniteSpot. How did that come about? We started out actually as a, a totally different name, Dashboard Accountants. Our whole goal was to be able to provide this beautiful view for our customers and everything with a dashboard. And the reality of it is, is dashboard's really common. And so <laughs> at one point in time, we started the process of trademarking our logo and trademarking our name. So it was a little bit more consistent. And the uh, trademark team was like, that is not going to work with that name and asked us to think more about our culture and about who we were. And really our goal was always to kind of be that trigger and kind of that ignition spot for our clients. And helping them to grow their businesses and develop by having good financial information. And it just evolved into IgniteSpot from there. And the dashboard itself, was there a particularly sort of, was there a technology stack that you sort of thought, oh, well, we can put this together for our accountants or was or dashboard sort of in more the, the conceptual view of a dashboard? <laughs> We've been around for just over 14 years now. So we were, we started out like well before a lot of the applications were out there. So for us, it was more, we actually had built something in Excel that was, that looked more like a, a car dashboard. And so it was just more of that kind of fluctuation of your revenue and cash objectives, more like a fuel and how things are going from there and marketing investments or people investments. It showed you more like your speed and things of that nature. But uh, that was originally our, our trigger and We've used tons of different reporting tools since, but uh, but yeah, that was kind of our initial focus at the start. No, fair enough. And what about, so 14 years, what was the genesis of the, the firm? I've been lucky enough to be with the firm for just over 12 years. So my partner, when he first started the firm, it was, he was actually an auditor and um, he was sitting down with one of his audits that he was going through and he had to actually explain to him that the bookkeeper had screwed up and had posted the wrong amount of uh, cash reconciliation. So when they went back and audited it, he ended up telling him, sir, you have you know $50,000 less in cash than what uh, what your books were showing. And and the man fell to his knees and started crying. And it was just heartbroken over the situation. And um, Eddie walked away from that position within the next you know week or two, had left the firm and decided his goal was to make that so it didn't happen to the customers we worked with. So they had better transparency, more accuracy in what they were doing. And I joined a few years later and I've always worked in small businesses, usually being a part of some team and development and have had worked with several who struggled with cash, had late, been laid off at times due to you know cash positions. And so the goal and objectives have really just stuck with me and has been a part of our structure ever since. I love hearing this, the journey stories. Is there a, a customer or two that comes to mind when you think about the journey that you've been on in, in the organization and that... Um, where the contribution of the of the firm as to a client has made a significant difference or a or a client that just you know the relationship is uh, really sticks out to you. We've worked with a lot of different clients over the years, but I remember one of the first clients that I worked with, I started out as just as a bookkeeper and they were pre-revenue on everything when you know when they were going through the situation. So of course money was tight and you know, their goals and objectives were huge and what they were trying to accomplish. And and I got to be a part of their journey for the first couple of years that they were getting moving. And it was just phenomenal to be able to be a part of the development and the goal. And, and they ended up being acquired for about $80 million, something like that, which at the time, a time was great, you know, 10 years ago to be able to see that. And oh, that's okay. 80, 80 million's all right. <laughs> Even these days. Yeah. Nothing to be sneezed at. 
Yeah, no, no, not at all. But they, uh, you know, it was just really cool to be a part of that journey with them from nothing to being able to expand. I mean, we were, I was even with them when they were a, a two, three person team and transitioned into where they were over almost 100 by the time that they were acquired. And it was just awesome to see that transition and see that movement over that two year span and just be a part of the growth and the cycle with it. And probably one of the parts that was the best with it is uh, they're, they had a fractional CFO and is now one of my partners. But um, we got a chance to really deep dive and, and connect really well with this client and help them facilitate a lot of growth and opportunities, which was just really, really cool. And it allowed he and I to also create a deeper bond and, and also help me to better understand kind of just that overall space that we were moving into and, and the growth and development with it. So it was uh, super cool. What sort of company was it? Pharmaceutical management is what they were doing. So they had a couple of... Uh, couple of really key clients that were <laughs> drug dealers, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. They'd work with smaller kind of, you know, either PEOs or smaller organizations who were looking to manage their own healthcare instead of outsourcing it to, uh, to larger providers. And so they were just providing the pharmaceutical side of that for those contracts. Uh, you can make money in anything these days. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Very much so. And I mean, manage and negotiate rates and from big dealers and, and providers, it just, it ended up creating a really good solution for those customer groups. In terms of the customer base now, like what's your ideal customer at Ignite Spot, do you reckon? Yeah, our ideal customer is kind of between that, I would say two to 10 million is really where we fall into a good sweet spot with our relationships. And it's it's not because we don't want to work with people who are smaller or people who are bigger, but that's usually where we found that they're at a size where they need efficiencies. They need operational you know, consistencies. They need some recommendations and they're looking for to offload a lot of that work. And, and that's really where our fractional services come in and shine heavily in those relationships and where we can really make a difference for them. And so usually it's that, to, you know, two to 10 million, but also kind of a little over 10 employees is, is that sweet spot as well. Is there an industry niche or something that you, or it's just across the board? Yeah, it's just across the board. Yeah, we've always worked with clients in the US and that's been kind of our primary position from that perspective, but uh, We've had, you know, niches that were niches that we focused on really heavily in the past, but really it's most clients that fall into that bracket are, are really good for us because we have a vast amount of experience across our, our team. Yep. And um, what about technology-wise? you QuickBooks or Zero users predominantly? Yeah, we're a big QuickBooks user. So uh, all of our clients fall into QuickBooks and most of them fall into, into QuickBooks Online as well. Yep. And what else is in the in the stack? We're big users of bill.com as well, or bill as they call it nowadays, Divi as well to coincide with that from that relationship aspect. We've worked with actually a lot of different tools over the years. I mean, Dex is a big part of our tech stack as well and working that relationship with our clients. We've done a lot of transitions over the years with just different tools and resources that we've worked with. And one process we're using that we're implementing right now to add some more value to some of our clients that we do consolidations with is Lifeflow, which we're super excited to spend a little bit more time with them. and and dive into that product and provide a better quality of details for our customers there, but also into Keeper, because we feel like it's done a really good job with anomaly detection and providing a, a really good functionality for our customers and uh, making sure their monthly product is cleaner. It does help in your staff if you can consolidate the tech stack a bit and keep people using the same kinds of things. What does your corporate structure look like? Are you all fully remote at the moment? And was that always the way? How are you set up? Yeah, fully remote. So we actually started going fully remote just before COVID. Half of our team was already outside the state of Utah and, and working from home. And 
we decided to offer up to the rest of our staff to have the same flexibility with their schedules and the same flexibility with working from home. And so everybody packed up their equipment and, and moved home. And uh, we shut down about half of our office space that we had at the time because we were still in a lease. And then then COVID hit and everybody went home. The rest of us went home. And so it's been uh, about a year and a half ago, we got out of our lease. Finally, uh, we sold it off to someone else. And uh, all 21 of us are completely virtual. Predominantly where you guys based? We were initially predominantly based in Utah, but now we're, uh, you know, our two biggest groups are between Utah and Florida. We have a, a really large team based out of Florida. There's about eight people there and about eight people in Utah, each of 16. And then the rest are just kind of smattered throughout the U.S. Now, the Utah team can take over while the hurricanes hit Florida at the moment, right? Yeah, that's usually <laughs> what we try to do. Yeah, our uh, we and that I will say, I mean, that's been crazy over the last. This is, we had, they're going through one right now. A couple of people are getting wet. A few weeks ago, they had another one, and and it was awesome to be able to see the rest of the team rally around and support them and make sure their clients are taken care of in that process. And that's one thing we try to do is just trying to balance this so everybody can be able to take care of their needs, whether it's natural disasters or whether it's family. It's crucial to have that kind of team. Where do you see yourself in, say, three or five years with the organization? Our goal is to, it's just to continue to grow and develop into the quality of the product that we provide. We've been a, a fractional bookkeeping firm for a really long time and, and have felt like it's been a good fit for the customer groups that we're going into. And, and we've worked with a few years ago, we started adding in fractional CFO services and that has grown really quickly. And now this year we decided to expand into fractional controller services along with that as well to kind of meet that full need from end to end on uh, on bookkeeping to CFO. And it's turned out really great. And so we, it just continuing to develop that and continue to, uh, to try to expand and provide this best quality product for our clients as we can. And what about in terms of the way that you attract a client base? Is that typically referrals or have you, have you got a marketing engine that you're uh, sort of promoting growth with? We focus really heavily on being organic for the last couple of years. We've uh, we've put a lot of energy and effort into our the articles that we write, into the content that we create, and really try to focus it on just being helpful and being you know helping small businesses to be able to grow and develop. And that's really been the structural focus of us for I would say probably the last three to four years. Really focusing our marketing efforts into that. Our goal is to continue to develop into a, a further and a deeper referral structure over the next couple of years, just because that bond that you create with your clients, if it's valuable and they feel connected with their friends enough to share it with them, it just creates a, a stronger unity and a stronger community for our products as a whole, as well as for them and their businesses. And so that's one of our goals and objectives as well is to continue to advance into that space. Yeah. Well, I mean, referrals seems to be the way that the accounting industry predominantly works. There's plenty of ways that you can um, perhaps crank that engine a little further if you tried many of the, you know, trying to increase the, the rapidity of referrals or what are your tactics? <laughs> oh, very much so. And I think that the tactical approach is the part that's the, I think the most interesting, right? I mean, you can push hard into the, uh, you know, you leading them to be a referral function, or you can create a, a culture of it due to the desire that the customer has from just the relationship. And I mean, there's so many different ways you can touch both of those key areas, but, uh, our really our goal is just really focus heavily on that the quality of that product and we're starting to see some of that right now with just the relationship expectations that we've created what's your role in the organization these days yeah no that's a really good question it's changed so much this year it changed pretty heavily for several years it was you know i managed our operational side of the entity and making sure that 
really that COO role and making sure that all our tech stack was where it needed to be, making sure our team knew what tools and what processes to follow. At the start of this year, um, we transitioned and added two directors of accounting services. So I have a, a director that manages the entire accounting service team and then one that manages our specifically our bookkeepers in their roles. And so I help facilitate the, them and, and manage that piece. But I really now focus more on the company and its operational flow and then also on our partnerships and continue to develop further with our software stack as well as our customers. With the operations, like how do you go about being more efficient, more effective? <laughs> yeah, one of the big things you mentioned this earlier was just that tech stack, right? I mean, we started out the year with probably 30 or 40 tools that we were using in a wide variety of spaces. Some were using them a little bit, some were not using them at all, but we were still paying for them. And, and this year we've really hunkered down and really focused on minimizing that stack and minimizing that uh, the amount of function that's available out to people. That's been one of the big parts for us, one of our big objectives. Another piece with it too is looking at our operational flows of closing a client on, you know, from the marketing standpoint of transitioning into onboarding within the, you know, within the accounting space, making sure that flow is more consistent and removing the restrictions that go along with it has been a big part of it. So a lot of, a lot of backend workflows, you know, diving into our HubSpot connection and how it's working with everything else and, and making sure we're really getting the most value out of each of those tools and each of those resources that we're working with has been a big part of it. It does take significant effort to sort of make sure that those transition, those flows through the organization are uh, as, as effective and without friction. Have you seen in your client base, have you seen any change so far given the macroeconomic conditions at the moment? <laughs> I would say about two to three months ago, we started actually seeing a shift in clients who were really making the decision on, you know, do I want to continue to go through another recession? COVID was hard enough as it was for a lot of our clients that um, several have decided to had decided to sell off their businesses. And so they were acquired. I think we had about a half a dozen clients who actually were acquired within the last you know, 60, 90 days, which was just a big change overall. On the other side of it, we had a handful of clients that just closed their doors and said that they didn't want to continue to do what they were doing. And, and it's hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, they were able to weather enough of COVID, but it was a, a really long two-year stint and they just wanted to look at a different way and move on to something else. And so it's it's definitely created a change in the dynamics overall and kind of the shift holistically in, in moving our customer base. But also to the same point, clients are just refocusing on how to conserve cash and how to make sure that they're making good business decisions, which which is always great for an operational-minded you know organization who's focused on efficiency. So it's it's worked out really in our favor from that perspective, but also we're being you know cautious and careful about what's coming coming around the corner. Yeah, well, that's interesting, isn't it? I mean, people selling off because they're people are, are tired across the world. <laughs> they're like, oh, I've done COVID, we survived, and and now you now you're throwing this shit at me. It's like I'll go and do something else, or I'll spend time with the family or I'll, you know, just as long as your finances are structured so, so that you can do that or, or will change completely. Yeah. Tell me. <laughs> yeah. Some of them, it was a consolidation into larger organizations. And so they, they were able to take away some of that heavy burden that they were managing on their own and even take care of their team, which is, which is always, I mean, I would say from that position with our clients who have had those, had to make those transitions where they it made it easier for them is is not only were they taken care of but they were able to take care of their team too and so you know getting having those people be consumed by another organization holistically and not be laid off or any of that kind of stuff just 
made that situation so much smoother and so much easier for them to deal with and cope with, which has always made it, I think, makes it easier in those business decisions when you're making hard calls and because you're not just worried about you. You know, you're worried about your customers, you're worried about the team, you're worried about, you know, half a dozen plus people and, and making sure their lives are taken care of it. When you have opportunities, it makes it makes it smoother. But I'd agree. I mean, COVID was rough. It really affected a lot of people, especially with supply chain development and everything else like that. Like it's just been totally crazy to have to deal and manage all those pieces and, and shift through it. And so being able to also make a good decision for your business and for your family, to your point, like sometimes taking a break is nice. <laughs> Not having to stress is nice. So yeah, makes sense, right? Selling to a bigger organization, your team stays employed, you stay employed, so your finances are maybe you got a bit of a check or a, some golden handcuffs or something, and you or a bit of both. And but you you just be an employee and and take a a rest in air quotes for a year or two. I get that. That makes complete sense. I mean, a lot of people are burnt out across the world. There's no yeah, no doubt about that. And then you know now this is sort of like particularly in the tech industry at the moment, valuations are through the floor and jobs are um, disintegrating. And al although in America, like the overall job numbers are still strong, it's just a very different no matter, depending on where you are geographically. Yeah. In America, it's been a really huge shift. Uh, it, you know, you've seen over the last, I think, two, three weeks, tech companies are the ones that are massively laying off, but it's everybody else who, who are, to your point, are bringing strong, you know, employment numbers. And so, I think there will probably come a phase and a point in time in the next couple of months that those that number evens out and we start to see a drop in that space and, and see more people on unemployment from that perspective. It, it seems at least just with the way the market is showing and shifting. But yeah, no, I mean, manufacturing and you know service-based organizations are really strong right now, which has been good. But I think that's also shows, I mean, to the same proof that on the tech side of things, a lot of times, whether it's your tech valuation and the cash that you're getting in from those and the infusions, like you bet big in a lot of cases on what you can hopefully create and develop and sell into the future. And because of the way the market shift, you have to be more, you have to be more strategic about some of those pieces, because if not, the whole core can fall apart. Whereas with, you know, service-based organizations, you generally have a little bit more, a little more stability in the valuation. It's not as high as a valuation, which, you know, changes expectations on, on production if you have investors. And so it's, it just is a different ball game in both spaces for sure. It's hard to see. I mean, Elon came out yesterday and said that Twitter might not survive the, the the recession that's coming. So there's plenty of doom and gloom. You don't need to go too far to find a miserable headline. Put it that way. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I mean, uh, Meta was another one, right? 11,000 people in the last two days were given notice, which was crazy to be able to see that. Um, I mean, how many with Microsoft's dropping a thousand and into it or uh, credit karma just put a hold on all of theirs. So it's crazy. What I don't get it at um, Facebook, like that was only 13% of the people. What are the other fucking 40,000 people doing? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I don't use any of them. <laughs> well, it's funny because I was actually reading an article the other day about that. And there was someone in that, you know, was a former Facebook employee and he was just like, I don't know what these people do. Like just legitimately, he goes, we were the exact same company with 180 employees. So what are all these people doing? And I'm sure there's some objective, but he, I mean, his point was the livelihood of what into, you know, Facebook can do doesn't need the context of what it's created, but. How fucking hard is it to put up a couple of photos on a web page yeah. and a few news items, right? <laughs> <laughs> very much Give so. Give us 10 minutes anyway. We're being cynical. I'm being very cynical, but, um, 
the economy is so fragmented at the moment, you know, like um, tech is down, but there is wage, incre- you know, inflation through, well, inflation is way up and therefore interest rates are, are trying to catch up to dampen inflation. But inflation has been caused by, you know, huge wage increases over the last couple of years, particularly in tech and, and you know, minimum wages have come up. Uh, supply chains have been disrupted by COVID. Energy prices are dramatically increasing because of the the invasion <laughs> in Eastern Europe. And um, the point of all that is it comes full circle, right? What you're seeing in your small business customer base is influenced by all these macroeconomic factors that are way out of their control, and yet everybody's sort of affected. So I guess the point of all that little rant was having your finances in great place gives you some optionality <laughs> when things out of your control mean that you have to make pretty big decisions. How's that? How'd, how'd you like that roundup? <laughs> no, I mean, it's a super good point. And it's also a good point, I mean, to tie into it. I mean, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that wasn't the issue. That wasn't the problem that everybody was dealing with. I mean, we have had such a, a massive tech movement in the reliant. I mean, our just sole reliance on technology has been been a huge part of that. And so you know, when you have those kind of things change and fluctuate and and I would say even on the media side of things, when when some of voices opinion stock dropped through the floor, even though it has no material value on what that company was actually producing, we've become kind of leveraged on on opinions and on context versus the deliverable that people can actually produce. And so I would say my hope with all this inflation and all this change and everything that's going on is, is that we we find a balance in that. I mean, truthfully, I think not to harp on the news media, but man, I just sometimes wish they would shut up because they cause most of the chaos. It feels like, you know, in these areas and, you know, we all deserve to know the news, but man, like your speculation is what kills. Can be depressing sometimes. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, it also can change. I mean, it changes the winds and the tides on so many different things on, on what people believe is going to happen and where things are going to go. So as you go into the holidays, what, um, how are you thinking about finishing out the year with your client base? You know, we've been fine tuning a handful of things on our side and trying to help improve, but our, our real, you know, I'm excited actually going to the end of this year to, to be able to really focus on providing that good quality, clear product to our clients as quickly as we can. I think that now more than ever, really financial transparency is one of the most important factors for a small business. It's been essential and it's been important for a really long time, but you know, just the need to be able to see that detail provides just much clearer, actionable functions. And the sooner we can provide that for our clients, especially going to year end as they start preparing for taxes next year, it just becomes more essential and more important for them to be able to to not worry and to not stress about what 2023 is going to bring them. Yep, that all makes sense. Well, Dan Luthy from Ignite Spot, thank you so much for joining the Accounting Leaders Podcast. <laughs> hey, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you found this discussion interesting, fun, you'll find lots more to help you run a successful accounting firm at Carbon Magazine. There are more than a thousand free resources there, including guides, articles, templates, webinars, and more. Just head to carbonhq.com resources. I'd also love it if you could leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to this podcast. Let us know you like this session. We'll be able to keep bringing you more guests for you to learn from and get inspired by. Thanks for joining and see you on the next episode of the Accounting Leaders Podcast.